I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Acker. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. So, the Hurler of the Year nominations are out, and Noel McGrath is not amongst the three names. I know Woolley would have a fit now if he's sitting in Australia thinking, why are these boys talking about hurling? Connor and Conan, <laughs> you know, the lunatics are running Experts. the asylum. But you know, I'm going to go for it. I had a hurling show in the summer. Well, Noel McGrath appeal. popped up every single episode. And I have to say, it just feels like there's no no justice in the world. It's obviously, so TJ Reid, Patrick Horgan, Seamus Callanan, very good names. It's, it's you know, three top names. He had three amazing years as well, but... I'm sorry, but like the this tougher decision had to be made amongst Reed and Horgan. Like Noel McGrath had to be in there just to run through it. Man in the match in the semi final, man in the match in the final. He scored four points play against Wexford when he had fourteen men. Really came to the fore in that game when yep. they were under the pump. Uh five points down against Cork, thirty minutes to go in the Monster Championship. It was him who dragged the team forward again. Remember he won that free in the celebration he did, like must have been about five fist pumps. Like you don't don't normally see Noel McGrath doing that. You don't normally see him breaking his ice cool character. But it was like, lads, we need to step up here. I remember his interview afterwards. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It was just how every single player needs to be bigger when they wear that Tipperary jersey and the way he called it that Tipperary jersey. Mm. You know, and but look, you know, we're not we're not deciding it on interviews afterwards. His pass against Leash for the Seamus Callanan goal. The biggest compliment I can pay him is that it was Jim McConnell esque. You know, but like the flight, the flight of the ball is that it. It sort of f- feels like it's going to it's going to fade out twenty meters short, but it doesn't. It just yeah. keeps going like a natural, like any normal person, like me or you playing that pass, it w- it would drop twenty meters further than where he drops it, and it just keeps going, takes out like six defenders with the one pass, and you think each one of them are going to intercept it. They don't because it's Noel McGrath. Mm. He thinks better than us. He acts better than us. He is better than us. And I cannot believe that he's omitted from the All-Star Hurling nominations. No, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he is not omitted from the All-Star Hurling <laughs> nominations from Easy. Hurler of the Year. Uh, I'm not sure how I can add to that glowing recommendation of <laughs> Noel McGrath. The only thing I'll say is that um, I'll defer to my hurling expert here after the show during the summer, but um, what I what I had seen this summer was was kind of what you indicated there that he was involved in a lot of big moments, um, and that coming down towards the stretch and particularly against Wexford because the final just took on a life of its own after the sending off, yeah. but the semi final in particular where there there was men that were needed to step up was Noel McGrath stepped up, and he's done he's done that for he's done that for a long time too. Like I I. Like you mentioned the Jeremy Connolly comparison there, Noel McGrath has always been one of my favourite hurlers to watch because, yeah. um, and again, don't want to talk too much about football relating it to hurling, but stick to what we know. Yeah, well, he's the he's the closest thing to me to a classic number eleven in terms yeah. of Gaelic football. Like I'm thinking of Brian McGuigan, uh, Kieran McDonald from my own county. That uh, even when you like in a hurling context, seems to have more time than anybody else. Yeah. seems to have just more time when he's on the just more time when he's on the ball. Always picks the right option and picks an option that. Well, even like uh, like somebody who wouldn't be into hurling wouldn't have noticed, but I would imagine that a lot of hurling people wouldn't have seen beforehand as well. Just so much class, so much craft around. Yeah. Just, like I know he went back to midfield this year, but around that middle eight. And I remember going back to, um, it was 2010, I think, under the previous Sheedy era, and Michael Brick-Walsh was having this amazing year for Waterford. Yeah. Noam McGrath played centre forward on him and like um, took him for a ride, basically. So... <laughs> Uh, similar form I would have thought this year like it's just he's probably unlucky uh, like the, the quality of contenders I don't know like Patrick Horgan is a genius but I'm like how often and this is probably a testament to how good he's been how good he is 
how often does a, a player that's knocked out in the quarterfinals get nominated for hurler of the year? Yeah, I sort of like that though. Yeah, like, yeah. Because well, there's, there's so much in the hurling championship now. You have was it five group games that you have? Yeah, and then yeah, they, they got knocked take out. Take the, the league into it as well, which is considered too. Yeah, so. and if you take his six his six games, he scored seven sixty two, which is almost fourteen points a game. Yeah. And I would actually be looking at TJ Reid, which look. Any one of these four players are, aren't in it, th- this would be a story. We'd be complaining about it today. Mm-hmm. Can't believe TJ Reid's <laughs> yeah, not yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But it, it would be between Horgan and Reid, and I would probably leave Reid out, even though Reid was spectacular as well. Like four, four amazing players, let's get that straight. But Noel McGrath, I think it, it should be between him and Callanan for the main award, not for him to get one of the top three. Well, just, just going back on that then, like I, I thought like maybe TJ Reid wasn't as effectual, let's say, in the semi-final against mm. Wexford. Wexford held him quite well. Obviously, the final just didn't go Kilkenny's way. Limerick, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, sorry, against yeah. Limerick, sorry, yeah. But up until that, um, TJ Reid had been playing so well this year that like I saw, I saw it be mentioned that like, has he actually exceeded Henry Shefflin? He's been that good, yeah. he's been that consistently good for... For the last for the last few years, for the last few years in particular, when Kilkenny arguably aren't at the level that they have been in previous years, that 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 TJ Reid was that that good that he like people are potentially talking about him in that bracket. So maybe maybe your perception that he shouldn't be in the contenders, let's say ahead of Noel McGrath, is because of he wasn't as effective in the yeah. semi final final as he had been up to that point. But up until that point, he had been as spectacular as Patrick Horgan is, and Patrick Horgan is getting nominated. On the basis of his performances up to the quarterfinals, yeah, so just to make that, that, that argument. is true. That's a very good point because, yeah, when you have a bad semi-final and final, people will use that as a stick to beat you with. Absolutely. Them. Where was he in the semis and <laughs> yeah. final? Where yeah. was where was Patrick Horgan? Yeah. <laughs> he just <laughs> wasn't playing. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. your stock goes up when you're not playing. I always say this, like you know, when you're injured, you know, people don't really care that much about you when you're part of the team, and like you know, if your team's losing as well, your like your stock starts plummeting. But when you're not playing and the team's oh, 100%. losing, it's like who's missing? Geez, we could do with Connor. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and people asking you when he coming back, and you're like, you didn't care about me when I was playing. <laughs> Completely, you know. But um, but no, yeah, I always think about that Laura Corbett pass in the 2010 final. I think that's when I first was like, whoa, this guy is the business. So, um, he wins the ball. Laura Corbett's come from midfield. And he's, he's going straight and like, like Tipperary have done that move where they suck everybody out leaves mm. nobody in the full forward line Corbett takes off into the space and Noel McGrath is over his shoulder hand pass just sort of like you're straight in front of, of Corbett and I'm just like how, how did you see that? Like yeah. you know, nobody else sees that and they don't have the the balls that they, they sort of go for it as well like you know it's like one of those passes where if it doesn't come off it's like what is the, the hell pa- are you doing? The same pass to them I think it could have been John Tennyson and Larko got beyond him and just in a complete act of desperation he just fired That's the same one yeah just <laughs> yeah. fired to her that I'm trying yeah. to like, put him off like yeah that was the one because it completely split them open like Kilkenny probably thought like th- the way Noel McGrath was facing we have this covered like he's probably going to turn and try and shoot or try and pick somebody who he can see but he just knows what's going on around him he is like I think Corbett called him in, in that Corbett McGrath show during the year called him the, the ultimate quarterback like you know yeah, yeah. and he had a great tribute to him in the last year just how his how his career is not going to be defined by his illness that he had yeah. a few years ago. Like, and that, that's honestly the best sort of tribute I could, I could pay to him. The fact that, yeah, he's gone through this amazing, like, you know, recovery and we all, like, you know, should be paying our respects to him. But now he's, he's gone way beyond he that. He has, yeah. He's yeah. just the best hurler in the country again, yeah. or one of. But not good enough to be in the top three, no, apparently. probably guaranteed all-star, though. We'll, we'll, he'll take that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure he doesn't really care. Really. <laughs> yeah. But um, I remember Shimmy Callanan saying that he probably should get it. Not himself, that Noel McGrath should probably get it. But anyway, I'm over it. Uh, Young Player of the Year nominees, Adrian Mullen. Kyle Hayes, again, who won it last year. Mm. And Rory O'Connor, Adrian Mullen, was amazing for Kilkenny this year. Just sort of... It's one of those boys when you think Kilkenny are, um, aren't going well, then suddenly they just, they just shit out somebody like Adrian yeah, Mullen. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then oh you think God. he's been around for years as well because <laughs> yeah, he's that good immediately. Exactly. Um, so Tipperary have 11 All-Star nominees. Leash, our old friends, obviously the story of the summer in some sense. Uh, they got two nominations. So Ender Roland and Goals, there's a talk before the latter stages of the competition. We're all talking that Ender Roland was going to get the All-Star, the first All-Star since... 20 odd years maybe Jesus. I wish Cheddar was here now to put us right but um, <laughs> so Ender Roland is there and Jack Kelly is there as well in the defence nobody else so I was wondering how much is it weighted so obviously Ross King was very good there's, there's more people in the, in the least team that could probably put their hands up and think I had a great season we won the Joe McDonough we beat Dublin hmm. gave Tipperary a game but are are they really looking at the Joe McDonough as much as they are looking at the All-Ireland Championship and should they because hmm. like you know surely it's 
it's easier to stand out in the Joe McDonough than it is in the Munster Championship or the Leinster Championship. So, you know, yeah. they had two good games where they proved that they're up to that level, but it was only two games at that level, in a sense. Well, you wonder how much those nominations are based on those actual two games as opposed yeah. to something they'd done previously. But just supposed to look at it, like Leash beat Dublin, who, you know, had an amazing kind of win to, to, to get through to, to, to the group, from the group stage, sorry. And then Galway have two nominees as well, but Galway had the same points as Wexford Kilkenny and Dublin in the group stage as well. So like I, I, I can't say enough having not seen enough leash to say whether they justified any more than two. But you would have thought given the scale of the achievement. I mean that's uh, you said the story of the summer it's arguable whether it is a story of the summer, yeah. but it's it it's was it was well it was mammoth <laughs> at the time. It was absolutely huge, a massive achievement for Leash. So given the scale of the achievement and considering there's what, forty five nominees Maybe they could have had one or two more in there, including I think you you mentioned Ross King and a couple more lads that that might feel a little hard hard done by. Yeah, well Bernard Brogan has been talking um, to the Irish Daily Star, and it's just interesting. He was being pretty honest about the whole Jim McConnelly thing. So obviously Willie thought it was a really bad idea bringing him back. Keane made the case that you know they, they need him because like Jim Gavin doesn't trust the bench as yeah. much anymore and like sure the showed he played against her own came on against Mayo and came on at half time half in the time. final so um, sorry that was the replay the replay yeah. he came on at half time came on for a couple minutes in the uh, drawing game yeah, he so he was warming up the for ages yeah. it was not the game he dropped back into the pocket had the shot that outside of his boot uh, and went wide just at yeah. the end yeah. one that almost won it for him <laughs> yeah but um, so Bernard Brogan was talking to Derry's Daily Star and he said it was tough for me about Connolly coming back, he didn't take my exact place, but he did take a place on the bus and then a place on the team. Jim Gavin felt that was the right thing to give the team a bit of an extra angle. That's his decision as a manager. He's just trying to get the best out of what's there. In theory, it's another body in the way for me, but I've kind of gone past the personal. Just interesting, yeah, when you when you do hear like Bernard Brogan talk again, obviously he is directly affected. I know they're not exactly in the same position but Bernard Brogan didn't make the panel the first day mm. he didn't get on the second day and Connolly got on both days so yeah like for me like Jamie Connolly has been there for over a decade with Dublin or almost a decade um, he's a great player everybody you know I remember Alan Brogan was in here a few weeks ago and the way like this is Alan Brogan like you know one of the biggest legends of all time and the way he's talking about Jamie Connolly like Willie was sort of making that case again like why would they do this why would they risk interrupting the group like, and he actually said to Alan, like, you know, would you be comfortable with that happening? And then Alan Brogan was like, but I'm not Jamie Connolly. Yeah. I was like, but you're, but you're Alan Brogan. But, <laughs> but even he's, like, revering Jamie Connolly, sort of. And, you know, I, I did hear a story when he came back, like, the first session back, apparently, it was like he had never been away. But I, I don't think that showed as much on, on the field. No, it didn't show on the field, no. but that, that's the most important thing. It's, it's not what Jamie Connolly had done for the previous 10 years with Dublin. If just because Jeremy Connolly had been a legend for like you know since maybe 2010, 2011, yeah. if he came back this year, as you said, if he came back to the first training session and he looked like a guy who hadn't been involved in an intercounty setup for ages, well then it's like that's sentimentality goes out the window because what I've seen actually since I think Declan Darcy um, did a did a good interview afterwards and he said it was kind of there was nearly they had a responsibility to to bring Jeremy back into the Dublin family, let's say. And it kind of tied, it kind of went against everything that you would have heard um, about Dublin up until this point was that sentimentality doesn't come into it. And obviously it's a balance between the two because sentimentality didn't come into Bernard Brogan not making the 26 for the yeah. first day. Um, but I don't know, like, I think that's the closest you're going to get to Bernard Brogan saying, I was pissed off, damn right I was <laughs> yeah, pissed off. Yeah. I've been busting my balls all year. This guy was, I'm sure he, he, he wouldn't put it like this, but this guy was meant to be going to Boston. All of a sudden he comes back and he's taking my place on the, like to, to somebody like Bernard Brogan, I can only, can only imagine that not getting on the team, albeit a team as good as Dublin would be tough, but to not get it on 26 would nearly be an ultimate insult, especially yeah. given the circumstances. So um, it's, it, it has been, uh, like I think in previous, I think that the, the a lot of the Dublin players have opened up a bit more because it's the five in a row. Yeah. I think if they hadn't won that, you wouldn't be hearing the kind of um, that sort of talk about the senti- sentimental treatment of Connolly that we've heard in a couple of weeks since. Yeah, but is there like sen- sentimentality aside? Is sentimentality a word or is it sentiment? <laughs> I think sentimentality. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Emotion aside. Yeah. Um, like, but surely from Jim Gavin's point of view, it's like this guy is a, is a good player and we do need him. Do you know, yeah. regardless if he hadn't been there all year and it's like, it, even if the boys have been training all year, if I can convince the team that this is okay as, yeah. a, as a group to bring him in, we should bring him in because 
we can use him and we're not going to use some other players who are already there. Yeah, and I, I think our opinion would be different on it or my, my opinion would be different on it maybe if Conley had been himself in the in the game. Like he, So he played against yeah. Tyrone in a nothing game, played midfield, was yeah, able to fair, kind of yeah. saunter around the place, came on uh, against... Um, who came on against in the semi? Mayo, Connor. <laughs> came on <laughs> the semi one, right, for only a few minutes, sorry. And that was purely nearly to give the crowd a lift. I forgot about that. And oh, then and they the, got a lift, all right. <laughs> and the final comes on for a few minutes. Um, a couple of turnovers, all right, but like in, in terms of a scoring threat, uh, missed a couple of chances and then didn't make a huge impact in the... I mean, you talked about it here, that the pass was probably the highlight and then debatable whether he even meant that. So like, I, But I think if Jeremy Connolly come back, he made the type of impact he made against Mayo, let's say, after coming on at halftime in the yeah, 2017 yeah. final, well, then nobody would be questioning. Yeah. So like Jim Gavin wasn't to know that, you know, Connolly wouldn't have been you know, at, at the at the peak of his powers as he has been previously. And Jim Gavin was only going on the evidence that he saw training. And as you said, like first training back, it's like he's never been there. So like you have to you have to take Gavin Gavin's side that it was there was it was nothing really to do with sentimentality from from his point of view. Yeah, how much does like uh, money in the bank come into it as well? So we we've all had this at club level, like do you know when a young fellow is not training and then he shows up, you mm. you'll, you'll give it to him or you'll tell him to piss off or you just throw him down to the reserves or seconds team, whatever it is. But, you know, there's older players who have sort of done their time. And I know this is different, this is county, but you sort of let them away with it. Like, you know, they can be away until May yeah. and then come back or they don't have to train as much. It's fine. Like, it's like they've they've given the club enough and they're still very useful for us. And like I was saying to Johnny on Monday, if the younger boys or whoever else aren't, like, getting, like, becoming better players than these older lads, who aren't training then you know some of that's on them as well yeah how much so money in the bank sort of comes into it a bit as well he's, he's no, it, enough, uh, no it would have come back it would have come back into it but obviously given kind of the, the, the standard of, of, of his performance let's say but like it, it comes back to what you said Keane was saying earlier money in the bank obviously weighed heavier this time around because Jim Gavin was looking at his options <laughs> and he's thinking well I, like Kevin McManaman's probably not what he used to be Cormac Costello's confidence is a bit shot from having maybe having been starting all year and then being dropped from the team yeah. um, just coming into the Super 8s that time um, you know he eventually bought Bernard Brogan back to the bench for, for, for the 26th for the second day so I'd say that's like this year more than any other year money in the bank counted way more towards Connolly whereas yeah. I think if the same situation materialised maybe not 2018-2017 you might not have seen it happening as it did this summer yeah Needed to dip into the bank. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, think well, so. over to me. Oh, more bad news for you, Connor. So, there's financial dispute going on. It is a bit, a bit worrying just from the reports anyway that, that are out today. <coughs> so, uh, the Mayo County Board are locked in a dispute with the Mayo GA International Supporters Foundation, uh, and it could cost them hundreds of thousands of euros. So, the supporters fund that's mentioned is backed by UK based financial trader Tim O'Leary. Uh, there was an email sent to clubs ahead of Wednesday night's county board meeting saying that uh, this, this supporters fund were withholding 250 grand of money it had raised in a row over governance, so that's why they're withholding the money. So um, the statement that was released all, like to the clubs before Wednesday's meeting uh, claims that O'Leary made a 150 grand personal donation um, to the Mayo Senior Football Team Fund on the understanding that receipts would be provided to show how that money was spent. So some of the email that was circulating around, and there's a bit of it here, like this is from Tim O'Leary, as per our initial flyers and promotional launch. So this is all based around the New York trip, right? Yeah. Like So obviously the big fundraiser that went ahead there. Um, we've committed small percentages, so this is from the money, to Mayo GA New York and New York GA itself, as well as the Mayo Roscommon Hospice. This commitment will be honoured. We have to support local initiatives. The remainder of funds collected um, will then be allocated to Mayo GA projects back home in Mayo as promised. Supporters have bought tables on the expectation that the major benefactors within Mayo GA would be threefold. The proposed new training facility, the new underage academy initiative and other general player welfare and development initiatives for all players at all levels and codes and not just a senior football team. So this was around May when they did this. They had this gala. Um, supporters fund is saying that um, what was provided to them included copies of multiple invoices and receipts seemingly randomly picked from the financial files. Uh, but Mayo GA themselves take issue with it. Um, and they said that they didn't get the email or didn't get to read it before Wednesday night's meeting. And like, did contact Mayo and asked them for a response. And like, it was very short, but in fairness, they got back and said 
There were a lot of serious allegations and accusations made within the statement. We will issue a comprehensive and detailed response at our next meeting in the middle of October. Um, so, yeah, it's... I don't know if it's worrying or not, but it seems worrying when you're talking no, about that amount of money. No, it is worrying. And, and just uh, there was a line that stood out to me from the email that uh, was circulated around the clubs mm. uh, that was uh, meant to be read out at the county board meeting on um, on Wednesday night. It was last night. Now, I wasn't there, but just going on here, say the, meet, the email wasn't read out. And I think that's uh, to do with, as per the uh, statement that you would have got from AOG yeah. to say that like they haven't had, um, they haven't had time maybe to, or they need time to formulate a yeah. proper response. And they're response to this will be really telling because just um I know we're getting it from one side but like the, the, the there was a fairly thorough um email like fairly fairly thorough series of emails and documents sent around yeah. to the clubs that they wanted read out at the county board meeting and like for all intents and purposes it looks like all the eyes were or all the eyes were dotted and all the t's were crossed and, and everything seemed in order and there was there was one line that you mentioned about the copies of mul- multiple invoices and receipts seemingly randomly picked from the financial mm. files and it also says in the email that it included sensitive and personal information that it was deemed completely inappropriate to share, um, which would obviously be of concern if you were anyway involved in that. So like th- this story has been rolled around Mayo since um, since around the time of the, the first All-Ireland because it was it's kind of Mayo were being slagged again that there were more in the news than the teams yeah. actually in the All-Ireland final. This wasn't just to do with Andy Moore and having to announce his retirement. <laughs> and Jerry well. Cafferty, don't forget Jerry Cafferty. Jerry Cafferty, which was a week after. Yeah, that was that was in the lead up to the replay. Yeah. So yeah, about a month ago, three weeks ago, uh, the Mayo J Foundation announced, which they've elaborated on in their, in their emails, that the, there was a breakdown in the relationship. And Tim O'Reilly said he'd been become totally frustrated in his relationship with the county board and the unprofessional manner in which he conducts his business. said, despite their best efforts to engage in a professional and transparent manner, county board have failed to respond accordingly. Professional leadership required to take Mayo to the next level. Debate needs to take place and would urge all Mayo supporters to become involved. He said the lack of professionalism has motivated him to speak out, highlight the incompetence which exists within Mayo because he said he could have just walked away or turned a blind eye, basically, so he wasn't going to do that. Um, so I know like it's... Um, it's just like I don't know what you, what you can say. Like it, it just looks very messy. So th- this is why I'm really interested in what the Mayo County Board have to come back with in response. Because uh, listen, it's not the first time the Mayo has been in the headlines for the wrong reasons in in recent years, mm-hmm. and a lot of it to do with governance level. So going back to the handling of um, James Horan's replacement, this is. Uh, before Pat Holmes and Noel Canelli yeah. were even appointed, there was a bit of controversy around that. Then obviously, it was, well, it was more to do with the players, but the the, the coup which saw Holmes and Canelli yeah. uh, got rid of. And then even going back to um, the manner in which Stephen Rochford's departure was was handled this year, and that, that, that they are all just they are all national stories about like you know um, high profile kind of management decisions and stuff like that. So um, look, I, I, I don't know to like. On the back, so he withheld, I think, 250,000. And this is on the back of him, the foundation between them donating 765,000 to the foundation, to Mayo GA within within the course of a year. 450,000 of that O'Leary claims came from him personally. So not to understate how much of a massive deal this is in terms of the the running of Mayo GA, like we probably would have seen in... um, uh, in in various different kind of reports over the last couple of years, how much it costs to run the that's just the Mayo senior teams, and then just um, on the on the back of that, then after the breakdown of the relationship, uh, the Mayo GA Foundation uh, announced that they're um, they're going to purchase seven hundred and fifty footballs, which uh, they announced this week that they're they're ready to distribute this week. So every club in the county is going to get going to get a share of that as well. So like, so in one way, like the the Mayo GA Foundation are like they have the. Um, they have some backing from the from from a lot of the county for for because they have been so clear and thorough and yeah. how they've provided their documentation and because of gestures like this. So that's why I go back to it again. I'm rambling here. Realize I'm going to stop. But that's why it's so important how the Mayo County Board responds to this because it's not just a Mayo story now; it's a national story. Yeah, and the, definitely they're not the first county to be caught up in something no. like, you know like this as well. And uh, the foundation uh, part of that email it was a very uh, extensive email and. They basically said they're withholding the money, the two hundred and fifty grand, um, until they get a number of commitments from Mayo. So uh, six par- parts that they want covered, and um, before they can honour 
uh, giving over the money. Um, they want secure backing and ticket sales for um, this event. We have given personal commitments that the highest level of corporate governance will be followed. So that's the first one. They want the highest level of corporate governance will be followed by the foundation. Uh, our accounts will be audited annually, and these accounts will be made available to all supporters who have made a contribution. Those supporters who have contributed wanted to ensure that there is full transparency in how their contributions are making an impact, these related projects. Um, before the funds are released, um, they'll need a review plan, and there's more detail about that. Um, once the foundation has reviewed each plan, conducted its due diligence, and trustees are satisfied that the best value has been applied, each related project, then a contribution will be made directly to the project-specific amount. Um, and these protocols will be applied to all projects, both big and small. So they really want to sort of know exactly where every bit of their mm. money is going. Um, yeah, and it's probably not going to be the last we hear about that. No, and it's the, the worst thing about it is, um, like, I think in the emails, not the worst thing about it, but it's like considering all the detail that, well, you've gone into there, that like the straw that broke the camel's back, um, accor according to the emails circulated by the Mayo GA Foundation, was that uh, with the failure to provide 10 All-Ireland final tickets committed to at the gala auction in New York. And Tim O'Reilly claims in his email, obviously this hasn't been counteracted so the county board, so it's only one side of the story, but claims that he had to pay the county board 5000 for tickets with a face value of 950 quid and that was the straw that broke the camel's back which led to the breakdown of this relationship in the first place so uh it's just all it's all it's all very messy it's all it's all a pity again that like uh, i was in the in the news for for the wrong reasons but um it's long winter we need something to talk about <laughs> yeah winter is coming um well they say they will uh bring a detailed and comprehensive response uh, in the middle of october um managerial roundups so you mentioned uh, Stephen Rochford for once he's not going to be mentioned in the managerial roundups because we're always just speculating <laughs> yeah. he's almost become like Alan Kirby because like, his job comes up and Rochford's there Rochford's LinkedIn <laughs> yeah so David Poyer's taking the, the temporary football job it's a great appointment so he was the tip all earning winning manager back in 2011 they beat Kerry in the Monster Semi beat Cork in the Monster Final beat Dublin in the all Ireland Final not just any Dublin Dublin with a halfback line the minor team with Eric Lowndes John Small McCaffrey and in the forward line they had Cormac Costello Kieran Kilkenny and Paul Mannion so like you know it's a Dublin yeah. golden generation like well one of many Dublin golden yeah. generations but um, David Power inspired the Tipperary team to go and beat them I think it's a great appointment like in the the team that he had was obviously there was no uh, you know they they weren't duds themselves but yeah um, yeah it's just interesting now to see if he can get the best out of some of these lads so Evan Comerford was in that minor team that he took charge of John Me here the fullback Stephen O'Brien at midfield Ian Fahey who was in midfield that day and like he's somebody like sort of temporary or waiting to get the best out of over the last few years and you know maybe David Power is the man who can do that Bill Maher Liam McGrath Michael Quinn Livin T J Ryan hasn't been in the squad for a while, is he worth another look under the manager mm. who got the best out of him again? Like, you know, this is going to be nine years on from the minor team, so it's like, these boys could be coming into their prime now. Yeah, well, absolutely, yeah. And obviously a lot of those players that are still there will will have positive mem memories of, of being involved with David Power before, yeah. you know. I just thought that, um, that Tip were probably in a place um, last year that... Uh, like Liam Kearns did well, obviously got them to an all Ireland semi-final, but it probably come to the end of the road and they yeah. probably, sometimes just things come to a natural end and you just need a fresh voice. And everything I've heard about David Power was, has been really positive, not just with Tip, but a little bit with Wexford as well. And and funnily enough, he's, um I just looking there, I think he's the first um, first Tip native to manage a football team since 2006. So, my really? kid, yeah, so there's been, wow. Seamus McCarthy was the last one, uh, John Evans, obviously, uh, he was there for a good while, but he's director of football as well. And then um, Peter Creeden and uh, Liam Kieran's as well. So, um, yeah, so that's first time in you're cl talking on close to 15 years. So I know it, it's a small thing, but it might give the temporary football people in temporary just an extra reason to yeah. kind of kind of back them again next year. So or it might increase the politics of temporary. Well, you, know, <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> no, it's good. Like Matty Ford obviously was with him when he took charge of Wexford. Uh, for a few years down there and uh, Niall did an interview with Matty Ford there yesterday Niall in the office um, Matty said I remember when he got the Wexford job first he rang me and asked would I go in one night a week wasn't long before it was full time that's the way he is he has a good way with people and he's able to get you around to his way of thinking so it sounds a bit like magnetic there as well and mm. yeah like there's a good um, Pillar Caffrey story that I once heard that he's very good at getting what he wants 
getting the players to basically come up with the idea that he wants to come up with. So he's basically planting these seeds around the squad and he might hear five different ideas you know, at a team meeting, but when he hears the one he wants, he's like, oh yeah, that's a good idea, Connor. <laughs> you know, and then it feels like the group have come up with it and they've had some sort of control over it, but like Pillar Caffrey all along wanted yeah. this idea to come <laughs> yeah. up and he picks that one out of five, you know, just discards the four other ones. Like, and it's like, you know, when you go back to the, the what's that old saying, the art of diplomacy is getting, get, let, letting people have your way. So, you know, basically you're, you're pretending like they're getting their way with yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. what you want. And well, apparently Pillar Caffrey, from, from what I hear, he was good at that. And it sounds like that our friend David Power might be good at that as well. If he's able to convince Matty Ford to go from one day a week to full time, just like that. Just surprised it's not a story from your your, your time managing the club under 16. Was it under 16 <laughs> back then? It sounds, sounds like classic Doherty. Piss off. <laughs> um, so it's going to be 100 years next year from when Tipperary last oh, well. won the All-Ireland. So the time is now, Mr. Power. <laughs> there we go. David Fitzgerald, we go back to Hurlan. Um, so Tommy Moran did a great interview of him in Midwest Radio. Um, and he's like basically Paddy Power has susp- have suspended betting on David Fitzgerald taking over uh, Galway which is very interesting because it seemed like he might stay with Wexford but in an interview he said my heart is torn unreal such a Davy line isn't <laughs> yeah. it like, I, I, can, I can hear him say yeah, it yeah. Like, and, and the pain in his voice <laughs> um, it's probably two and a uh, sorry it's probably two and a half to three hours down and the same back down obviously going down to train them that's three or four nights a week. But listen, I have a very special bunch of boys down mm. there. Anybody else, right? If I was reading those quotes and like you know reading him deliberately, and he did, he did say by the way he hasn't spoken to anybody in Galway. Um, but if I was reading those quotes, I would be like, ah, he's gone. But with David, there's like yeah. you just can't trust. Like his heart sometimes does overrule his head. Like so, even if his head saying might be a better job somewhere else. This is crazy. Why am I still doing this? We won the Leinster last year. Can it get better? His heart will, will sort of override it, I think, sometimes. And it's almost like, remember Wolf of Wall Street? He's like, I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> like, you know, so I'd say David could potentially say to himself, yeah. I'll take the Galway job and then turn around and not take it. Well, I, like I read that sentence and said that, yeah, David's gone. Yeah. Because yeah, especially because I think he said he's going to make a decision in the next day or two. Day or two, yeah. And I think like when everything before the butt in that sentence, probably two and a half to three hours down and the same back, that's three or four nights a week. It's like, right, okay, well then he's not prepared to do that anymore. And when you compare it to the commute that he'd have in Galway, because obviously... Hurling in, in Galway is predominantly to the south and east mm. the county, closer to Clare. So like you're 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 halving it and probably going probably going further again. And and to think that like I know it's going back a long time and he wasn't long out of playing when he did it, but like did Davy Fitz did the commute down to Wardford, uh, you know, back two thousand eight as well. So yeah. he's like maybe he's thinking oh, my days of of you know three to four hour commutes just to get to training a few times a week are over. Um, it's funny he was talking to Tommy Marin on Midwest, like Midwest Radio is a is a Mayo, predominantly Mayo based station. Yeah. Uh, Tommy's a bit of a legend in the county, so the good scoop for good scoop for Tommy. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I just think with with weighing it all up, even though like I, as far as I know, the Wexford boys did that trip up to Clare again this year. You know the. I think Davey tells the story the summer before they all got a minibus and you know oh, they yeah, stayed the night in Clare but yeah. came down I think they did the same thing this year so maybe he's like yeah it worked the first time lad but no it's a, you, you don't have me this time <laughs> but trying to watch the TV uh, and yeah. a bus is rolled <clears> but, it's, but it's like if, if you're you can see you can see why the Wexford lads are doing that there's a clear connection there um, obviously not just the fact that he won a Leinster title for the first time in a long time but um, got the you know got them to within so close to beating Tip in the in, yeah. in the semi final as well, uh, and just everything he's done. Just uh, I'm coming around to your way of thinking that he it will seriously pull at his heartstrings. But I just think when he weighs everything up, he thinks about it a bit more coldly and analytically. That he probably think that the Galway suits him better, even though Galway have a traditional kind of. Um, not really gone and outsiders even going back to like nah, and that didn't really work and tended to point within their own county so yeah. uh, see how it goes but I'd be thinking go at the moment mm, we'll see how that goes uh, next day or two he said he's going to make a decision but uh, Galway football something interesting brewing there as well because Connor Heenahan has been doing some investigative <laughs> journalist, journalism for us um, so like the the favourites for that job are Parik Joyce and John Divley and not to sound like Sky Sports and we're talking about players on different flights and people spotted in different airports and stuff like that we did spot Parik Joyce and John Divley in a hotel in Dublin and 
complete disrespect to the GAR. <laughs> they, they must not have realised that the hotel they went to was next door to the GAR studio, the hub yeah. of GA. Yeah. It's a it's a nice hotel. It's the Aloft Hotel for anyone that doesn't know. With a with a uh, the, with a view of Dublin from the seventh floor, yeah. like you know, it's all glass and the windows really nice up there. And uh, I call it. I'm, I'm not going to claim I planted myself there. It was accidental <laughs> investigative journalism. I was just uh, coming from lunch with a colleague, and who happened to arrive at the top of the lift? Tony Park Joyce and John Dively With uh, I don't know who the other guy was, but he, he looked like he could have been a county board official. Let's say. Listen, there's been plenty of talk and in, in plenty of speculation about the the future of Galway management and John Dively and Park Joyce have been heavily linked. So listen, maybe it was coincidence, or yeah. maybe they were laying the groundwork for the next ten years of Galway football right <laughs> yeah. there. Let's clarify. So. Like, you know, they are favourites for the job and we saw them in a hotel with a random person. We are not saying they're That's connected. That's exactly it. That's all I'm saying. But John Dively and Porrick Joyce met in a hotel with somebody who we don't know who it is. But as Connor says, it looks like it could be part of a county board. Which county board, we don't know. But they're just two events that have happened and we're not saying they're connected or anything. But look... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty first anniversary of their ninety eight um, All Ireland win this year. Maybe there was just three of them catching up with, <laughs> with an old friend for a drink or something like that. But uh, good stuff, Connor. Next up, we'll chat to Kieran Kilkenny. Kieran Kilkenny, the last time I saw you, you were roaring down the barrel of a camera lens shouting, let's go party. <laughs> you heard it from social media and, and by all other accounts, you certainly did that. You partied hard. Um, I was just back from New York this morning at 4am, so a bit jet lagged, but had a special couple of days over there. Um, and it's really important to do that, to, to celebrate with your friends and family. Yeah. And like I've never seen anything like that before, the goodwill and positivity that's been towards us. So. To get all that from every, every person you see is really, really rewarding and really special. Was New York planned or was it the party just get out of hand and you ended up in New York? Yeah, something <laughs> like that, yeah. Now, a lot of guys would generally have things booked um, months and weeks in advance, yeah. just something to look forward to. Um, and I suppose after a couple of days um, after the game, and um, believe it or not, it's a massive come down after the game because you're going from such exhilaration, excitement, yeah. giving so much mental, physical energy. And then you wake up on a Tuesday and you're lying in your bed and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do now? <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to have something there in place that you can go off and do something and um, just enjoy some downtime. I suppose for you as well, especially like kicking four points from play in an All-Ireland final, man of the match performance, yeah. you know, all action, like that stuff you dream about for like 20 years, right? Yeah, off. like it was an incredible feeling like it like so happy on an individual and collective basis just to put in that performance like and like look it was down to the to my teammates and management that they gave me the i suppose they gave me the responsibility to just go out there and confidence to go out there and just go for it they said look here you just go for it you go out there and enjoy it but that was in my in instinct instinct as soon as the game starts and it was my intent to just go at the game so as soon as I got the first ball, I had in my mind that I was going at it and I was going for it. So um, it was a mindset switch because before that in the game previous, my whole mindset was just to get the man the best position on the ball. Like our forwards are playing so well this year. Like, so my intent was getting the ball, going straight, being aggressive yeah. still with the ball, but I was getting a guy on the ball, whereas this time I was being aggressive, I was intentful, but I was looking to get a shot or free and then maybe pass it off, but, but trying to get the balance between all those different things. So. Yeah, so you're looking to finish it yourself, like this time rather than the first thing? Yeah, like for example, the first day, I was happy with my performance, I got a lot of assists, but I had no shots, and yeah. at the end of the day, I'm a forward, so that was my intent at the start of the game, was to go at the game, get, be intentful, and as soon as I get the ball, turn, take my man on, put him on the back foot, and um, get, get a shot off, or, or but like you can't just go out and yeah, shoot yeah. and ball carelessly, but just that have that in your mind. Like, so that was in my attempt leading into the game, and I was, and I was lucky and fortunate that the guys gave me, gave me that respons- responsibility uh, to do that and just said, Go have fun. Like. 
is there is there a selfish part of you that um, sort of like because obviously you do so much work for the team that would want to do that more often? Like you're you're playing that quarterback role a lot, which is important for switching the play, especially. But you know you have that as well. Yeah, like that's like just I just want the team to do well and be selfish and do help the team do well. But the management said for the team to do well, we need you to go at the game and and get some shots because you felt that that I hurt the opposition when I do get in the scoreline and um, and like I felt. Um, that by using by doing that attempt from the start of the game, I think I set a precedent for the rest of the game for myself and I suppose some of the other guys had as well. I remember hearing a story, I think it was 2016, the league final, and Jim Gavin sort of just said to Brian Fenton beforehand, like, we need a big game from you today. Yeah. I think Jack Barry had gotten the better of him in another game, yeah. so it was almost like, you know, not today. Yeah. And I remember thinking, didn't, didn't expect that from Jim because yeah. we just see the sort of media persona, but. Yeah. Would you have ever been on the end of that as well, like that finger point and like you have to deliver? Not really finger pointing, like, <laughs> yeah. but like I would have been in a, in a room, well, met with the, the, three of the coaches, uh, Jim, Jason, and Decky, and they just kind of like it was nearly like I was coming into the principal's office, like, you know, that kind of way. They have that kind of atmosphere, but uh, they just said to me, like, you know, we need you to, you know, go at the game the next day. You're a big player for us, we need you to do this. And I was just, I was like, wow, these guys are who are massive role models to me and, and like family and uncles to me, saying this to me, I was like, wow, and just I came out of the meeting buzzing, like I was like, yes, I'm looking forward to this game. My preparation is gonna be spot on. And I was just I was literally like jumping up and down when I came out of the meeting, like one of the other players was coming by to, to go in as well and just like or just buzzing like I was like, Oh, I'm really looking forward to that game. And you can feel you can feel it leading into the game and even the dressing room in the game, there's just like we were so prepared for the first game as well, but you just felt that spark when we were going into the game in the dressing room and then on the field. And like the first half was just at a phenomenal pace. Like both teams are really, really going at it. But I felt that us as a group performed really well, especially towards the end of the game when the cavalry came on. Like we were still creating goal chances yeah. to the very end. Like so the most satisfying part was the preparation. Like when you put in and you prepare so well and to put in performance like that, it's the most satisfying, most satisfying thing as a player. Yeah. Do you, do you miss the club when you're like away with Dublin? You do miss the club. You, you, you like you you miss being around your friends. You miss that community element yeah. of it. But Dublin as well is like it's like your family. Like yeah. it's like you're like it's, you're like it's, you like the connection we have with each other. Like for me, the get the, the big game changer for this group year, this group this year more so than any other year was the bond and connection that we had within the group and um, I felt that that pushed us over the line when it came to the end was how much we we love and care for each other so that has been really really special but I'm looking forward to getting back to the club now because as I said it's a massive come down from the year when it's all done yeah. but now as soon as you get into the club space you're back in the bubble of yes I'm at the club we're looking to do something this year as well. Is it hard, like, I remember even just when I go back to the club in Derry and hear a wedding and boys are telling, they got all these in-jokes that you've missed out on throughout the year, like, yeah, do you yeah. find that tough sometimes and you're trying to catch up, you're being explained all these jokes or whatever? I don't know, no, look, you're just, you're just, you get, you get on with it and have fun with the lads, like, and you still have the crack, they'll be slagging me, like, you know yeah. what happened. <laughs> yeah, here comes but, County now. Yeah, and especially about that one-liner, let's go party, you'll be slagging <laughs> me about that. And Did they have the Aquaman uh, video going around? Oh, them? yeah, I'd imagine they do, like, uh, <laughs> uh, everyone's seen at this stage, um, um, but, uh, yeah, they'll definitely be slagging me about that, and that's great to bring, bring you back down to earth, and I'm actually really looking forward to getting back to reality, like, we've had a, couple, a week or two of great, great celebration, um, partying, and doing cool things, like, they've gone to the States, and the goodwill of everyone over, and, in New York, all the Irish people over there was phenomenal as well. And it's great to see how far that has stretched over there. Like even guys, Irish Americans who vaguely know what GA yeah. is, know um, what we have done in terms of the achievement that we've done and how special it was that no one has ever done in history. To see that was like pretty cool. Like, I heard uh, you were a good man for taking a session or two at St. Pat's when you yeah. were there, even when you were with Dublin. Yeah, like I, I, I loved coaching. Like um, it's a similar buzz to playing. Like. And when I did my cruise ship, um, I got a great buzz from it. It was a great filler for me. Um, I coached the ladies team, I coached the hurling team, and I coached the men's team, football team as well. I did all of them. But it's the same buzz you get from um, playing. Maybe it's a little bit different because you have a lot of, you have a big responsibility on how the team plays and yeah. helping me play. It was a different feeling, but both are equally 
something that gives you a great buzz and a great adrenaline and for me actually that year that I did do that it allows you to think about the game a little bit more yeah. and learn how things are where you want players to go and stuff like that so for me I'd always encourage players around 18, 19, 20 level to help out at camps or even when you get a little bit older coach teams because you actually do learn about things a little bit more about spatial awareness where you want people to be and stuff like that so I felt that helped my game big time. That's an interesting one. What, what would you work on say if you've got time before training because like, you, you have to be good at everything yeah, really. Like, yeah. you know, what would you specifically be focusing on if you're messing around? Yeah messing around what, what I'd be looking at is like specific plays where I'm looking to get guys on the ball and then executing a shot would be would be a big one then as well. Um, but for me, my th those would be the two main ones for me is get what kind of ways I want lads to go in terms of getting the ball yeah. and then shooting and it's executing a shot in itself. Um, and then for are me, are I, you practicing like passing into areas then? Yeah, for, for different lads, that kind of that kind of stuff. And then then for me, the big one for me is I'd back my endurance. I've um, fortunate enough to have a good endurance base. So for me, it's just about to have about being fresh going into the game. So making sure I'm spot on like in terms of recovery, doing just the right amount of training and then coming off the field. Because I know if I, my, my legs are fresh, I'm in a really, really good place and I can run all day and perform in the game. So I felt my legs are really good going into the last game. And even towards the end of the game, like when I was running up the field, I was like, yes, I've more, to, like even after the game, I felt, yeah, I could, I could play another game. I felt that, felt that good. So it was great to be in that place. Does that give you confidence? Like, do you feel that the boy beside you might be like breathing heavily, and you know that you've got a few more sprints left in you? Yeah, like it just, like I get great confidence when I'm fresh, like because I know I can run all day here. He, like, if I keep running and running and running and running, it might be the sixty-second minute, might be the seventy-second minute. I know I'm eventually going to get away from him. So, or I'd back him. Like, I, I back my running ability there but you still have to be thinking about there's so many other different ways that you need to be thinking about and how to get free because you're well not fortunate but I'm unfortunate yeah. enough that I'm one of the players that gets attention on the field in terms of man marking role so you constantly have to be thinking and learning of new ways and being creative on how you can get away from that person. Tell me this is like it's a change of pace but there's a review out today that was sort of back in the idea that junior cert history could be uh, optional. Yeah. Somebody who's got a degree in history. Yeah. Like you must be thinking that's a bit mad, right? Yeah, like I, I love history. Like I think like there's so much learning from from history that it's really important. I certainly wouldn't like to see that see that see that happen. But um, like there's so much even to learn from yesterday. Like that is yeah. history as well. Like and even our our past. Um, so I do think it's important that even if the juniors are um, teenagers understand our history, especially our own history and. European history and what went on, just to give them the context of where we are today. So I'd like to see that stay. Yeah, and like sorry, just finally, what sort of motivates you? You know, because like, any victory that I've had in my life has been rare. Do you know, I'm not yeah. a serial winner like yeah. you. Is it as good winning now as it was five years ago? And then, oh, what makes you want to keep going as hungry as ever? Yeah, I thought this was the most satisfying. This one was um, really. This was better than say 2015. Yeah, I thought this was the most satisfying one and um, for me it's, I was on the plane there with, with Dino and uh, for us we were just saying like, like I'll be 27 next year, he'll be 30, like it's just, you want to be content when you're retired and you're, you know, um, you just want to be content and feel like you've done yourself justice in terms of being the best that you can be and like for me next year, I'm looking at what I can do to be take every single box that at the end of the year I'll be happy in myself that I gave it the best shot that I can. All you want to do is do your best. And there's always something that will motivate you. Like one year it might be, okay, I want to be, I want to do a bit of MMA because it'll help, help me get away from a player a little bit more. Not an aggressive way, yeah. but a little flicks here and there. Another year it might be power, so I'm gonna do more explosive Olympic lifting. Three, next year it might be technical stuff, so I'm gonna practice kicking. There's always something that's going to motivate you, and it's like anything. It's like playing a game of table tennis or pool or, you know, um, tennis, soccer or whatever sport it is. You always have that winning mentality when you get out onto the field. You want to win, so that's just the way humans are made, and I suppose a lot of these guys in this team are made as that. So the bad news is you're not going away then. Is <laughs> you're all still hungry? Well, we'll see. Like you know, it's the club championship now, and then lads will be coming back down after that. But I imagine lads will be fit, chomping at the bit now. 
Great stuff, Kieran. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks. You're a great to finally get to interview you. Yeah? Oh, really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, why you, is it great? Why do you not do many interviews? I don't know, really. Um, I've been asked to do a whole while. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? I, mean, I know we spoke about the defensive side of things. If you're coming in and you want to be, if you want to be the Woolly Parkinson and and just play for myself and an, mean? an intercounty corner forward isn't just hatching inside either. He's, no, you know, no. He's, Unfortunately for you, Willie, it won't last forever. You can ask ex-players that, you can ask your, you know that yourself, Willie. Yeah, um, mine never started at yeah, all. well, <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. It's always good to have a Dublin player on the GA, or isn't it? It's like, um... Will he gone to Australia? No coincidence. Well, yeah, again, they're not connected. <laughs> but thought it was interesting there, Kieran Kilkenny, uh, talking about... Doing MMA one year, so to help him get away from players holding him, like that's really going to next level stuff of, of like preparation. Like you know when you're thinking, am I going to the gym enough, or am I doing enough mm. work outside? He's doing a whole different sport just to help with this one side of the game. Like, Specifically for that, as but like Kieran McGinney did it for years, but Kieran McGinney yeah. was a fan of it. Obviously, I think other players have done it, but I've never heard of them doing specifically to improve one single aspect of your game yeah and in fairness like maybe he does get hold I'm sure he does because he doesn't stop moving like and actually somebody like boy in our club he'd be our best man marker and he said Kieran Kilkenny is the toughest player he's marked like, and he would be assigned to all the, the big guns but he said Kilkenny just doesn't did stop he say, did he say why did he he said do doesn't that? stop he's strong he can win the ball in there I didn't realise how tall Kilkenny was I thought it would it would have been under six foot, but he's over six foot one. Like he, he's so stocky. He's so yeah, that, stocky. That's why, yeah. yeah, I thought he would have been a, a bit smaller. And when I said that to him, he was sort of like, <laughs> 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 I felt like such a beta male around him, like you know. Um, but yeah, big man. So he can win the ball in the air. He'll he'll go just hunting for the ball wherever he wants. He can win it in full forward. And like, yeah, if he gets a chance, he'll go at you or put it over. Like, you know, yeah. Club level. So um, it's interesting. Interesting. Sorry, the story about. Um, you know the break between the two finals and like you know the how he played in the first game yeah, compared to how he played in the second game because to me how he played in the second game is how Kieran Kilkenny should play all the time and it's like I, I maybe it's a matter of tactics from Dublin but like every so often he it's hard to say on the periphery because Dublin are normally winning these games comfortably anyway and Kilkenny has you know has some level of impact he knits everything together yeah. and you know he's obviously changed from let's say the the era of the 50 possessions or 55 possessions when a lot of them were kind of hand pass and backing over yeah. the pitch against blanket defences. But like, I thought he did it in the league uh, this year and last year when they would put him into full forward and just launch ball in. He's able to win any sort of any ball, sort as he said. He's so strong. Yeah. He's probably quicker than he's given credit for. Yeah. He's obviously clever. But um, just just some of the time, and when you when maybe when you have Paul Mannion and Conor Callan inside, you don't want to kind of clog it up. But he's so dangerous when he's just getting ball close to the goal going at people like Conor Callaghan goes at people like he can go at people and scoring you know 1-4 1-5 a game yeah. easily as opposed to just you know maybe doing his two points and kind of knitting things together around centre forward but like that version of Kilkenny that played in the replay to me is the most dangerous version of, of Kilkenny yeah and it is interesting the way he's talking like you know he he wouldn't mind doing that more often but he obviously has given that specific role and yeah, we talk, like, I, I more than anybody talk about him going sideways and stuff, but that is a specific purpose and it does serve a purpose. So he's basically, quarterback's the, the overused term, mm. but wherever the ball is, if they're going down one channel, he has to be the outlet on the other side yeah. so that he can get it straight back out and he can move it on to the next man. And it's, I wonder, does Jim Gavin trust anybody else to be as patient? Yeah, that, no, it? that's 100% true, yeah. You know, yeah. when you get the ball and you got a bit of space outside, you just start looking inside again. Can I just <laughs> ping this pass? And maybe he tailored the requirements to what Dublin needed in the final against Kerry specifically. Yeah. Whereas, whereas against maybe, you know, a team that's going to get way more bodies back behind the ball, that Kilkenny would have been more effective out the pitch and hitting the pitch. As he has to do. That that wasn't a complaint, as in sometimes he oh, has yeah, to go yeah. back and over and side to side. And Gavin, I, I would imagine, had identified the fact that, like, right, you are better used here because Gavin Crowley got the chance to try it, to kind of marginalise him further out the uh, mm. further out the field, and maybe Gavin Crowley was thinking going into the replay, right? I not that I have him, but like, geez, like if I'm confident if I if I play like I did the last day that I'll do well against Kilkenny yeah. again, and Kilkenny and get Jim Gavin are obviously thinking we'll give this guy something completely different to think about. Yeah. There you have it, man, the match. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like I, I do like that whole side of Jim Gavin. Obviously, we don't see it. Why would he t- why would he show it to us in the media? But um, you know, like Kilkenny talking about having to go meet three of them 
and Gavin basically laying it out for him. Like, we, yeah. we want you to, to win this game, essentially. Like, we drew the last time. We need you to be the difference because we, we're at a bit of a stalemate here. And, like, that story I was saying to him about Brian Fenton, there was an ex-player who told me, so it was 2016 league final, and if you remember, I was 13 each to Kerry in Dublin, Drew, mm. earlier in the year. I think it ended in a bit of a scrap as well. And um, that was the first time where Jack Barry sort of got the better of Brian Fenton. So this is only Brian Fenton's second year, but apparently before the league final, like Jim Gavin was telling it to him straight in the changing room in front of everybody, saying like, "Don't let that happen again." And I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, yeah, Go yeah. On, Jim, like, and that's know, it, that's in front of the dressing room. I think you you said that Kilkenny met the three lads privately, yeah. but like, uh, can you imagine that the. Uh, the, the, the punch to the ego that there will be for Brian Fenton being challenged in front of a dressing room yeah. like that but then like having the having the like intended effect that like well I'll, sh- I'll show you that yeah. I'm going to be the best midfielder of all time <laughs> yeah, right, for yeah. the next four years <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah and like you know and it, it's good Kenny said oh, it felt great coming out of that meeting and I do remember this much smaller <coughs> scale but like we we lost this league final back in Derry we were trying to get promoted to senior in Derry the league is connected to the championship and um so I had a stinker like I brought off after 40 minutes and I thought like we're like you're not out of it if you lose the league final you've another chance you play the team here in the relegation playoff and if you beat them you can still get promoted so we had this playoff coming up last chance and I assumed I was gone and I knew the manager was under a bit of pressure because I was just taking up a forward spot doing mm. this sort of donkey role like you know and he pulled me aside to train him one night and it was class it was like of course you're playing you've heard enough of this shit before throughout your whole career I don't know what it's about but like you know you're playing because I know you can help us win this game and Jesus like, like I'll, I'll remember every part of that conversation for the rest of my life but you know when I still have a stinker the next I, was just, day. <laughs> I was just about to ask how did you play the next day I played alright actually I played alright but, um, but I, I did feel great and the fact that somebody's just throwing that confidence in you it, it makes you it's the complete opposite of playing safe it's like you want to you want to help them even more you want to run further you want to Kilkenny was saying get on the ball and score like you know he, he got on the ball loads the first day but he wasn't having that end product so it's mm. just adding an extra dimension to your game just through words. Yeah. Never underestimate like the, the power of man management and yeah, pushing the right yeah. buttons. I would imagine that a lot of us uh, a lot of Dublin players would have that kind of self motivation as well. Yeah. Like I said, like I think Johnny Cooper has spoken about it since as well, even between the drawing game and the replay, that even if Jim Gavin or the management team aren't calling in, that you're having those conversations with yourself. Imagine Brian Fenton had the same, even you know, you're talking about the twenty sixteen one, but the first final didn't go particularly well for me. It yeah. wasn't outstanding in the second one either. It was much I watched it back the second time right, okay. and it was it was way more involved than I thought he was. He set yeah. up like three points directly, but yeah, like not not, not, not Brian Fenton. Not not Brian maybe yeah. not the Brian Fenton that we've we've come to know over the last few years, but uh, but it's uh but it's interesting to know that the to the granular detail that that, that the Dublin management do go to to feel yeah. that like you know what it will be a benefit if we call Kieran Kilkenny yeah. and somebody's experienced as talented as who's won as many kind of individual awards I say as Kieran Kilkenny and who you'd never doubt his you know, like I'd say, even if Jim Gavin didn't have that talk, that he still would have, that he still would have, you know, been able to tell it upon him, to call upon himself to do something different in the final. But just, I can imagine that no more than you back in Derry, that he came, <laughs> away, from, same thing. He came away from that meeting, you know, feeling 10 feet tall and geez, like obviously proved, proved itself in the replay. Yeah. All right, Paddy Power predictions, Connor. We'll not hang ourselves by making too many analysis or too many predictions on the Ulster Hurling finals. Don't know will be the the right well, man. The right <laughs> man to call that. So um, you have uh, three deciders going on in Antrim, Derry, and Down. Three three good games in fairness. So um, in the Antrim hurling final that's on TG Cahir on Sunday at three p.m. It's Cushion Doll against Dunloy. Massive rivals in Antrim, up in the north coast in Ballycastle. I really really recommend going along to that lovely part of the world. Two teams <coughs> who they hate each other let's be honest and they're playing in the heart of Antrim Hurling it's going to be a great a great occasion I, I would recommend going if you can't go it's on TG Gahar on Sunday in Derry two other big hurling rivals Kevin Lynch's uh, of Dungiven and the surrounding areas not part of the football club do not ask and Stock Neil are playing in the final in Owen Bay at 4.30pm <clears throat> two clubs at either side of the Glenshane Mountain so a bit of beef there as well and in the down final Ballycran against Porta Ferry who do you think is going to win these games, Connor? Go Cushendall. Yep. Slot Neil. Yep. Ballycran. Ballycran, interesting. I would have went Port of Ferry, but yeah, like, well. let's be honest, my knowledge of Down Hurling isn't as strong as it probably should be. Probably superior to mine, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. Cool. So that's like three three big finals uh, to look forward to, one on TV. And also the Dublin Club Football Championship is back 
Dublin are out of the championship, so everybody gets to play football again. Mm-hmm. Not in fairness, we all got to play during the league. Um, and the pick of the bunch is on Friday night. Nafina are playing Ballymun. I think it's quarter past eight in Parnell Park. Both teams need to win to go through. Two big clubs, big expectations. Ballymun and Nafina. Like Jesus, Owen Merchant, Johnny Cooper, Conor McHugh from the Fianna, yeah. Ballymun, and the 19 players that they have <laughs> playing for Dublin. Like yeah. That's going to be both need to win to go through. Both are Brilliant. on two points, um, and they're two points off the top. So, so like Kilmacud are in the in, in top of that group. They're playing Sylvester, so they should win that. They've got four points. The other two have two points. So it's basically a shootout to get into the quarterfinals between two big clubs with like big hopes of. Mm. Like, you know, they'd be talking about winning. The Dublin Championship, and now they're in a, a place where they're hanging on for for dear life. Wonder who um who will Owen Merchant and Johnny Cooper mark for? Will it be Dean Rock or could it be Paddy <sighs> Small? Small? They've a couple of good forwards outside the lads that aren't on the county either, like you know. So, yeah. Ballymun are strong as well, like you know, but their problems probably like always. They don't have them for yeah, the whole yeah, year, and then yeah. they just try to integrate them all back in. I think they're they're favourites, are they? Ballymun are favourites, yeah. Side with Ballymun in this one, yeah. You know what's like? I don't know. I might. I might go in the final. Kill McCall here, top of that group, are are flying. Like we played them in the league. It's so hard to get the ball off. They're so clever. They just they just move it very well. Like you know, mm. very smart team, well set up, and they know just how to get through. And they are through. Kill McCall are through. Already. They're through. Yeah, they're already through. Um, and yeah, that's happening all weekend. Scary's right against Ballyboden on Saturday. Uh, get out, support the boys, <laughs> not the Ballyboden boys, because that's <laughs> what you're. How are you feeling? Confident. Oh no! <laughs> sure, look, we're just happy to be, <laughs> to be playing at this level. So, um, no, Bally Bowden will be expected to to run up a twenty point win. Good, good, good. Um, but yeah, so the Dublin Championships going on. The Ulster hurling finals are going on. There's more elsewhere as well. I actually, should give a shout out to Mickey Linden. So we were talking about um, Benny Coulter and what an achievement it was. At 36 years of age, he's scoring so much in the reserve championship final and down for Mayo Bridge. Mickey Linden came on the same game and scored three points <laughs> at 56 years of age. We were talking with Declan Bonner in the same podcast, who's 54, the sprightly age of 54. Mickey but Linden's 56. Mickey Linden does it so often, though, that it's not, it's not a surprise <laughs> no, it's anymore. Not even you know? a story. It was Darren Fagan who got onto me on Twitter to say, hey, <laughs> you missed the story. But, um, well, they've corrected the story. Oh, Mickey what a Linden man. What a man. is still the top dog in Ulster and basically anybody above 50 playing Gaelic football. But that's all we have time for. Thanks very much for tuning in. We're back on Monday. As I said, we're not going anywhere throughout the winter, so don't you go anywhere either. And Willie is coming home soon, so get excited. See you later. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling ACA. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I should go on, so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it true. But it's harder to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. I let it go, cause I won't see you later on the